When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to the post-Vikings-Falcons Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar with you along with Judd Zolgad. A 14-9 victory for the Vikings. And Judd, that one was gritty, grindy football for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, this one, in my mind, Matthew, uh, definitely replaces the Rams game as the most impressive win of the year because, one, it came on the road. Uh, two, the game itself looked like, uh, from start to uh, finish, a playoff game. And uh, and that's the type of game that you could see the Vikings playing against a fellow very good team uh, in January at some point, and the blueprint was there. And this is what I keep telling people about longtime fans of this team or people who have watched this team for a long time. If you go back to 98 or 2009, those teams were, were largely built on what? Offensive success, right? Which is sexy and it's fun to watch. It doesn't necessarily translate to uh, for sure playoff success. I think if you were looking at a team that you say you're going to have to go uh, into the playoffs, you might have to travel and win tough games. If your starting point is instead of offensive success, it's a good offense with a great defense. That is the blueprint I would choose, and I think we saw it today. That is the blueprint that this Vikings team has. Their success, their, their offense at Keenum, we, we could talk about and certainly will, but you know what? It always goes back to this. Mike Zimmer's defense this year is basically outstanding. Where I stand after this win, Judd, is the Minnesota Vikings are – not decidedly the best team in the NFL, but there isn't another team that I would say that's clearly better than them because I, I thought that this was a really great test of a team that has talent all over the field. They were missing uh, their cornerbacks, but that didn't have a huge impact on the game. But a team that has a great offense, a very talented, fast defense with a good pass rush, and if you beat this team, if you're able to slow them down on offense and you're able to beat their defense and do just enough to win, then you there there then there isn't clearly another team that is better than you. And now the Vikings have wins over New Orleans to start the season, the Rams, and now Atlanta. I mean, those are three clear playoff teams and three of the best teams in the NFL. And mm-hmm. the the defense is a is a great place to start with breaking this thing down 
Because how many times just in the last two years have you seen Matt Ryan only average six yards per attempt and leave a game with no touchdowns? I mean, Matt Ryan is one of the leaders in the NFL over the last two Mm -hmm. seasons in yards per attempt, and today he ends up with 6.0 yards per attempt, which is about two yards below his average, 173 yards total, and he could not find Julio Jones at all in this game. And and keep in mind, too, uh, after a not-so-great start, for him at least, this uh, Falcons offense and Ryan came in hot. And the other thing that I will go back to is since the Rams game, Xavier Rhodes, no question, is playing hurt. I mean, Xavier Rhodes was, I think, picked on in the Thanksgiving Day game at Detroit because of that cap uh, problem that he heard against the Rams. And then there was no question today something was wrong, and Jones still was shut down. I, that's the most incredible thing to me was I kept saying, okay, Rhodes, Rhodes looks a step slow. At one point, he, he went to the sideline and basically, if he didn't collapse, he fell down and, and they had to, uh, and they had to uh, give him some type of aid. But my point being is this defense is so solid overall. And, and when you looked at the components and said, okay, this might be a problem today, this might be a problem, in each case, they, they mostly stopped them. And it doesn't mean that the games are necessarily attractive to watch. It, do, it doesn't mean that there's going to be lots of points scored by the Vikings. But when you, when you are looking for flaws in this defense, okay, Trey Wayne's got picked on a couple times. When you're saying to yourself, this might be a problem, at the end of the game, you don't have a lot of things to say, well, that was bad. You might say it's a little bit concerning, but there's a big difference in this league between a little bit concerning, which I think any coordinator or coach will take, as opposed to that broke down. And and the Vikings' job today on not only the quarterback, but on Jones, to me, once again speaks volumes about the ability of this team. And this And this goes back to why I said, this is the type of game plan and the type of act that will travel, and it will travel into January, and it will go into a playoff game and can be very successful. Well, with on the defensive side, it's a different star every week. And uh, today, I, th- I think there were quite a few, but Linval Joseph was spectacular in defending the run. Harrison Smith was a playmaker, as always. I, I thought real key, Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr today, Judd. I, I thought... When you look at these two running backs coming out of the backfield, Tevin Coleman and uh, Devontae Freeman, I thought these guys can really cause a lot of problems that maybe there's going to be so much focus on Julio Jones going down the field that they're going to try to dump underneath all day long. Freeman ends up with one catch for seven yards. Coleman ends up with three catches for 27 yards on a total of eight targets. I mean, this team has been able to do an excellent job against really good receiver-out-of-the-backfield type running backs, and today uh-huh. today might have been their best that they've done all season considering the quarterback who's throwing them the ball and considering the talent level on that side. These two guys were a major part of an offense that was an all-timer last year and went to the Super Bowl, and they gave them absolutely nothing. Yeah, and, and uh, to the point on Barr, Let's credit him because uh, for whatever the, the reason, in 2016, he just didn't impress. I mean, certainly he might have had a game here or there, but for the most part, he was he was a guy that you watched and said, you know for a fact that there's a lot more there. Anthony Barr has made a ton more plays and has had a lot more games, and that doesn't mean that he's the star of each game, but there have been a lot of circumstances uh, so far this year that you could point to and say, okay, 
Last year, when, when we criticized him, this was what was missing. And Anthony Barr can be, and I still go back to this, when he's going well, he can be the linchpin absolutely to this defense because he can cover so much ground and he's a nightmare. I think that when we went into the season, at some point on a Purple podcast somewhere, it gets said, and we have a discussion about how the difference between a good Minnesota Vikings defense and a great Minnesota Vikings defense is Anthony Barr. And I think what we saw today was a great Minnesota Vikings defense and also gives reason to throw out what we saw some of last week against the the Lions. I mean, you said it on those Thursday games. If there's some complaints that you have, you just toss them out the window because it's such poor circumstances. And today they came back with that 10-day rest and just played a tremendous game. I mean, there are very few times that you're going to see Matt Ryan look flustered and rush throws. I thought he did that a few times. I mean, there were dropped passes. Sanu had a, a drop, but it wasn't an accurate pass. And then there was another one that maybe Julio Jones could have got, maybe not. But again, it wasn't as accurate as you would expect from a guy who is a consistent Pro Bowl quarterback on an offense that was absolutely flying. You mentioned that. And, uh, you know, I mean, I guess I, I go back to also the, the ability to stop them on third down was unbelievable considering mm-hmm. your level of talent. I'm trying to pull it up now. One for ten. The Falcons were one for ten on third down. I mean, mm-hmm. that, they were one of the best teams in the NFL offensively on third down, and they end up one for ten. I mean, that let's, is just incredible. Let's see here if I can find that stat, because I actually had that stat on Friday's show about their success on third down, uh, which, which was offset a little bit. Here it is. Um, so the Falcons coming into this game, the the league, as you just said, their best offense on third down, converting it 48% of their attempts. They were nearly 50% on third down. The Vikings uh, had, going into today, the, the league's uh, third best deep, uh, third down defense, excuse me, 28.5%. But, I mean, we're talking about a Falcons team that had gone, uh, in the past three games going into today, had won all those games, had scored 27 points, and then followed that up with back-to-back 34-point games. So we're talking about a Falcons offense that had found its way and, and was going great. And this, this Vikings defense, I mean, I can't come back to how impressive this is because it's so consistent and and it's funny because I think we've gotten collar. I think we've gotten picky at times now. So you'll, you'll be watching a game at some point, and you'll be like, "They missed a tackle there," or "I'm surprised that pass was complete." And you sit down and think about it. Your complaint is generated by the fact that it is so odd for this team to give up big plays or plays at all. I mean, it's not it's not the fact that they gave up the play. It's the fact that you're surprised that they give up anything at all. And and I just come back to. This defense is so off the charts good and, and has improved and has gotten to a point now where uh, unless you go back to Vikings fans in the 70s, I don't think there's anything like this consistently that we've seen from this team in 40 years or plus, one, more than that perhaps. One play today of 20 yards, and that was a 20-yard catch by Marvin Hall, whoever that is, and th- that was it. 
and Julio Jones. On Rhodes, by the way, too. Yeah, and that was where yeah, and that was where Rhodes didn't exactly look a hundred percent, but maybe he got some treatment and came back and played a much better second half. Julio Jones final line, two catches, twenty four yards on six targets, and that was it for Julio Jones. It really is nothing short of a spectacular defensive performance. And even if you thought that there were some cracks in the foundation against Washington or maybe against Detroit. On a week-to-week basis, this is an elite defense in the NFL, top three, completely dominant. And I think, Judd, that the offensive success comes in part because of how good they are on defense. That I think the two things are interconnected. Because when I look at the time of possession, now the Vikings had that incredible 15-play drive that ate eight minutes, but they finished this game 34-25, to or 34 to 26 in time of possession. It's very similar to what they did to the Rams, is that they would get stops, and then they would find ways to just grind and kill clock. And Case Keenum finishes 25 for 30. So many short passes today. He wasn't forced to work the ball too far down the field. And then they ran 31 times, which it seems like any time that they are running the ball consistently, that opponents just do not have much of a chance because once they get in third and short, uh, Pat Schirmer can dial up something perfect, it seems, every time. And uh, Keenum today, I mean, the stats are are excellent, and Keenum did a very good job, and Keenum deserves every bit of credit that he's going to get, and that's fantastic. But I think you just mentioned again one of the key guys, and we should not, on a weekly basis, we should not forget to talk about it, Pat Schirmer. That game plan today... That 15-play scoring drive was brilliant and and good on the players because they're the ones that have to go out there and execute it, and they certainly did. But from a starting point of a guy who has been driven up the wall by play calling and questionable play calling and why don't teams do this and, and that, once again, we're seeing a guy who, who we are beginning to, if we don't already on a full-time basis, we take for granted how good Pat Shermer's play calling has been. Pat Shermer has taken every component, every bit of personnel that he's been dealt and has has been a master of deploying it. So I really think uh, that, that we'll certainly talk about Case and we'll certainly talk about the offense's execution, and we should, but Pat Shermer's job continues to be absolutely off the charts to me. How about this? Two for two in the red zone again. Shermer has got to be one of the best in the red zone in the NFL at dialing up unique plays or looks that you haven't seen before. And this time he uses a quick Jarek McKinnon. Well, it's a rub play for one, but then Jarek McKinnon in the red zone through the air is a great idea every time instead of pounding it up the middle with Matt Asiata, for example. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then the play to Kyle Rudolph, somebody on Twitter pointed this out, that it was very similar to something the Philadelphia Eagles used last week where Kyle Rudolph looked like he was going to run an out and then turn back in and was wide open, and they had another receiver stop right in front of that, so mm-hmm. forcing them to make a decision on who they were going to guard and then wide open in the end zone. I mean, these Case Keenum touchdown passes are often two- or three-yard drop-offs to somebody wide open, we've seen, and, and I think that is entirely on Pat Shermer's play calling, play design in the red zone. And then today, 
making the adjustment because in the first half it was pretty clear that Case Keenum was not going to be able to stand in the pocket and step up because they were getting some pressure. He wasn't going to be able to work to the second level with throws, the intermediate routes that they've had some success on. So he just flipped the script entirely in the second half and went very much to what they did against the Chicago Bears in week five where it was all high percentage plays, yards after catch, screen passes, and Judd, they finished this game throwing to nine different receiving targets, including even getting Laquan Treadwell involved. It, it was brilliant. And I will give you um, Vikings' first touchdown drive. If you want to start with, with the play calling in this game to me and where it turned and where and where you have a coordinator who doesn't who doesn't take a half to watch the game and adjust, where you have a coordinator who on the fly adjusts things. Case Keenum, I think we can agree, in the first quarter, didn't necessarily look all that comfortable. There was pressure coming. I thought he made a couple questionable throws. Now, they didn't cost him, which is great. But if you're a coordinator, you're, you're not saying, oh, good, we dodged a bullet. You're saying, uh-oh, we can't have that ha- happen again, right? The Vikings' first touchdown drive, they started at uh, their own 47. It's a nine-play drive. I will quickly go through it for you. Murray, eight-yard run. That ends the first quarter. We now start the second quarter. McKinnon, a one-yard run. Ham, one-yard run. Keenum, a pass to Murray for nine yards. And then we're followed by this. Murray, 34 yards. Murray, two yards. Um, Murray gets to the – I'm sorry. Murray, no gain. Murray, two yards. Murray, 30 yards, which takes it into uh, the Falcons' deep territory at their two, where the touchdown pass to McKinnon comes. If you follow that – that was seven of nine plays on which you ran the football because you you understood very quickly that you needed to adjust how you were going to have Keenum throw the ball, and you might not have done it by that point. This is the little stuff to me, or it's big, but it, it's seemingly small stuff. But, but these are the adjustments to me where you've got to give the coordinator a ton of credit because he took a nine-play drive, he ran seven times, and it worked to damn near perfection. And that 15-play drive is just as brilliant, where there's only one play on that drive that went over eight minutes, that went for more than 10 yards. There was the 19-yard catch from Stephon Diggs, which they had great protection on that play. I thought the second half, too, the offensive line had a rough first half, and I was about to say, man, this might be one of the worst games that they've played, and that might be two in a row, and maybe we should be a little nervous about that. And then in the second half, the offensive line was terrific. And especially, you know, on that play, Case Keenum waits and waits and waits. And then Stephon Diggs, you can't guard Stephon Diggs for five seconds. Then he just mm. he just makes a little mm-hmm. signal. He's wide open. They get a big play. But otherwise, it was a lot of converting on third down and short. They had two passes, one to Jarius Wright, who only shows up when you need him. Right. Once again, though, Jerry's first right. downs. That's all. That's all Jerry's is good for. He only catches first down yeah. passes. Yeah, that's right. And and then you know you get to the end of the game, and we have the same sort of thing. For some reason, and I have no idea why. Maybe this is how they blew a twenty-eight to three lead in the Super Bowl. The Atlanta Falcons decide to kick a field goal, which is one yeah. of the worst coaching decisions I have ever seen in my life. With five minutes left, they. I don't know if they ran out of timeout. They must have run out of timeouts on the last drive, but they were getting grinded out on the other side. So they've got five minutes left, third and short, and they decide to kick a field goal that would still put them down in the game. Just a baffling decision. But you know what the Vikings did? They gave them no chance to to redeem themselves after that horrible decision. 
because Pat Shermer on the first play, little play action, drop off to Kyle Rudolph. They use it every single week, and Rudolph gets seven, eight yards. I mean, this is the ways that Shermer has found uh, plays that work perfectly to get the ball in the hands of the playmakers and to mitigate any issues with Case Keenum. I mean, it, when we're talking about the shortcomings of Keenum, he's not mm-hmm. that tall, he's not that accurate, his arm isn't that strong. But when you're scheming wide receivers wide open consistently and just asking him to execute, he can do it. And he's and he had another really good game, especially in the second half. And we have now reached the point of the Purple Podcast where a, a good portion of the people who tune in say, you guys are bashing Keenum. You don't like Case <laughs> Keenum. Why won't you talk more positive? Hey, listen, for the third consecutive game, Case Keenum did nothing that would make you think I would replace him, okay? He played really – he played – he has been beyond great when you consider the investment made in him, which is, what, $2 million for one year. He has been a fantastic investment. But to my point, I think we're selling this team short if we only talk quarterback. And and the way that this team played today, and the quarterback is part of that, and he played extremely well, the way that this team played today is extremely impressive. And the way that this team played today and the way that, that they were coached and the game plan gives you a ton of confidence that this team might be unlike any other Vikings team and actually might be able to thrive throughout the course of a postseason. Well, and, and that's the thing now. How about that for being positive? Yeah, okay, yeah, that's about as positive as I've ever heard you since uh, we've been it, doing it, the Purple Podcast together. This uh, was impressive. It, it was extremely impressive. And, you know, to the point with Keenum, Going into this game, I thought, okay, you've got basically a two-game section here and then three games at the end against unimpressive teams. So this is your real true test section of the season for your quarterback. And winning this one and going 25 for 30, 227 yards, it's not a day that's going to be going down in history or anything like that as one of the best quarterback days ever. It was it was good. He just executed what he was asked to do, especially in the second half. Mm-hmm. But to have this game go the way that it did for Case Keenum, I mean, he makes a really good argument for himself being the quarterback the rest of the year. I still am 100% in Mike Zimmer's camp of not coming out and naming him the quarterback just because talking heads on ESPN and NFL Network say that you should. I mean, that, you shouldn't coach by what they say on NFL Network. Uh, but these two games were the key to a, truly evaluating Case Keenum and having an idea of what your offensive ceiling and what your offensive most likely day is going to be. And I think what we saw today is that they can be so versatile. They can work the ball down the field sometimes, like against Washington. They can throw the short passes sometimes, like against Chicago and here today that it's almost too good to fail with Case Keenum as your quarterback. I mean, right? I mean, the thing with Keenum is... Now now you might have gone too far. You should never tell a Vikings fan too good to fail. Well, no, okay, that's that's fair, because there's a little bit of a history there. I just mean that, that the offensive setup and the offensive coordinator are so good that it does not look like we're going to see a major Case Keenum meltdown. There are still four games left, but if you can do that against this team and then next week you play one of the best defenses in the NFL, then I don't think we're going to see Mike Zimmer making a quarterback change. It's damn near. And I don't want to say it's impossible because it could always happen. Collar. 
But the uh, the coaching staff is damn near making this impossible for any offensive member of this team to sabotage it, short of basically trying to throw a game, if that makes sense. It, they are making it, they are not, I think the reason, uh, to go back to the Washington game, I think the reason why Zimmer was so bothered by those two picks is that's the one thing that can't happen, right? Like, that's the one thing, Case Keenum can't throw picks. I mean, it, that's that simple. That will sabotage you. But if you look at the at the final tally of the stats today, I, if I took if I took the final individual stats to you today, and I didn't show you the score, you'd be like, I I don't know if I could decide for sure, because you know Thielen four catches, fifty one yards, and I believe if I'm not mistaken, one two targets, one catch in the first half. Mm-hmm. So so. What this coaching staff has done is they have come up with a masterful plan offensively, and this, of course, starts with the Shermer again. They've come up with a master plan offensively to say, we understand that our bread is buttered by this defense. We do not need to be high-flying. We do not need to be um, We do not need to be sexy. What we need to be is we need to be consistent. We need to not make dumb mistakes, and occasionally we need to score points. But if we go with that plan and we also tr- uh, turn around and say defensively, we know that that side of the ball can carry us. That's what today that that's what I thought going into today, and that's what today showed me again was that's the plan, and that's the plan that makes sense. That is the one thing that we don't know about this team and this quarterback is just how they might perform if they do get down in a game because it just doesn't seem to happen considering the defense that they have. <laughs> They've been so good on defense that, yeah, maybe you're down 9-7. to seven. I, I don't count that as right. having to really come back when you're within yes. a field goal. And the same Agreed. thing goes for that game in London where they were down, I don't know, 13-12 to 12 or something. Though, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. But how might it look if the Vikings get down by 10 points early or if they get down by two touchdowns and they have to come back? But that scenario just doesn't feel very likely so they're always playing from the lead. They're always playing when they can run the ball, when play action can have success. So I think it all starts there. And now I'm looking at this team from top to bottom and saying as long as the defense doesn't suffer any injuries, you, yep. I, I mean, you don't have a weakness on this team. Do you think um, – I? here's the, the one thing that I'm, I'm growing fairly certain of at this point. If this team goes into – let's say they go uh, to – uh, Philly and play in the conference championship game, and they go down by fourteen. I think they're pretty much done. I, I don't think they're built for that. I think they're I think they're predicated on the fact that they won't get down by that much because the defense is so good. Matthew, mm-hmm. I I really, uh, if that's your question, my answer w- would be the one thing that they're not built for is that. And if they go down by two touchdowns or more, I think it's pretty much done. But but I also think they're extremely confident. That's not going to happen. They might be down by a touchdown. They might be down by a field goal. Uh, but two touchdowns or more is highly unlikely. So to a- answer your question, my feeling is they're simply not built for that. And if you go down by a lot, it would take a miracle to come back. And I don't know that's possible. So I think right now this is kind of a rare thing for us. I mean, we're kind of in the point where we can start to look at the other NFC teams and say, all right, are the Vikings better just as good or worse than some of these top teams. And I think we're still going to have to wait to find that out because Philadelphia has games coming up against the Rams and the Seattle Seahawks as we 
record this. Uh, but and you know you've got New Orleans is going to play Carolina, and you've got Atlanta is going to still have some some tough games to go. Seattle's going to have some tough games to go. It's kind of still being sorted out. But I think the Vikings are one more win against Carolina away from proving themselves as at least the tied best team in the NFC with Philadelphia. Or maybe if Philadelphia loses one of these games, then they are the outright best team. And then you go down the stretch in those games against Cincinnati and the Packers, who won today, by the way. And there's a report that Aaron Rodgers might come back if they're still in the race. But I still still don't see that. Uh, so then, I mean, if you go to Green Bay and it's Brett Hundley again, you feel like you should win that one. I mean, I, I think what we're in right now after this win today is the midst of a really special season. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, the last two of, of the last three games have basically been big test games, right? I mean, because we said going into the Rams game, okay, this is a really good test. And you beat them soundly. You came back four days after that in a very tough environment in a game that that pretty much sucks to play in, and you won that game. And so my point about that, that game was I don't care how you won, you won. And then you came back today in a game that I perceived to be or judged to be the now most important game as far as, as a test, and you won that game. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that there's there's no question in my mind, given their defensive play, given their health to a large degree as well, Given the fact that a quarterback who you didn't expect to have to play has been has been very very good, uh, yeah, I mean this is a this is a top two team and it might be the best team. I I don't know, I, it's tough, but every all I know is that since the Pittsburgh game, every single test this team has gotten, every single time we're like I don't know now they win, and and there was a long stretch of games where they won games against what I thought were not very good teams. And I said, okay, do, you know, show me something. Well, you played the Rams, and you did it. You played Detroit in a tough environment. You did it, and you did it again t- uh, today. So so for me, I'm now at the point where every time I've asked this team, okay, impress me now, they basically do. Uh, by the way, we have our national guy, former coach, calling for Mike Zimmer to name Case Keenum the starter the rest of the way, or at least that? in snark. Tony Dungy said, Case Keenum played well again today for the Vikings. Now they've won eight in a row. We'll have to see if he will start again next week with a smiley face. Yeah, I mean, I see no benefit. Can we just stop with I just this? see no benefit whatsoever to doing it, right? Can I mean, we just what, stop with what, this? what good does Mike Zimmer get by saying, yes, Case Keenum is our quarterback? What, what good does that do him? And, and here, here's the most important thing. And I brought this up quite a bit. The only reason why you would do this is for the benefit of your team. And guess who else? Case Keenum. The only reason why you would do this is if you thought that Case Keenum's confidence or whatever was waning. Well, last time I checked in the second half today, let me pull up his statistics again. He was 13 for 13 for 117 yards and a touchdown. There is no reason. And at this point, guess what? I'm on the side of sports karma. It's working. It's absolutely working. If this was a goaltender, you would never name him your top goaltender in hockey because you'd be too damn superstitious that what <laughs> you've got going right now is working. There, there is, there is. I, we can talk all day long about why we think Zimmer's doing this. We could talk about if it's the smart play or not. It's proven to be, but we could talk about that. 
But this notion from the media, and, and I'm all for getting on my soapbox when I see fit for it, but this notion from the media of, well, now you have to, no, it's working, Keenum's fine, the team's fine, they seemingly love both QBs, and once again, I'll go back to the most important starting point of all of these conversations that people are missing. Talk about the defense. <laughs> right. Oh uh, No, I mean, honestly, guys, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. this is... This is the first time since the Purple People Eaters. Now, now the Vikings have had a few good defenses mixed in, but this is the first time that you've had a defense that is this ferocious. The starting point for this team has nothing to do with the offense. The starting point for this team is that defense. I think we're at a point, by the way, where I wouldn't want to just start mailing in anything or thinking about resting starters exactly because you still need to win. You still need the battle for playoff position where you're going to yes. be. But speaking of the defense, I think I would sit Xavier Rhodes next week if his injury is still lingering. I'm getting that sense from watching him that it's not quite the same, even though he did a spectacular job today. But if he's got any lingering issue with that calf, why maybe sit him out against either Cincinnati or against Carolina. Carolina has Devin Funches, but that's not a real superstar wide receiver since they don't have one that you need to really shut down and they have depth at corner. Maybe there's an argument to sit him down, but to your point though, I, I agree that this defense is the best that we've seen it under Mike Zimmer. It's even better than last year. I think it's better than 2015 it's a lot of players who have been in his system for a long time. And, you know, you even see, like, Ben Gideon comes in and makes a tackle. You saw eh, Mackenzie Alexander had the one penalty, but he's out there and makes he a He made pa- one really good play. Yep, the pass. third down, made a hell right. of a play. The yep. pass deflection. We saw the great pass deflection by Anderson Dejo. It's not even just the star players anymore. It's other guys that are coming off the bench or are not the key guys that are also making plays on a weekly basis. And that has been one of the drivers of why they are even better than where they were last year. And now, Judd, here's my question for you is, what else do you need this team to answer before we get to the playoffs? Um, short of short of avoiding a meltdown, almost nothing. Um, you know, I, I, I told Phil... On the Friday show, I said, if you now split the, the Falcons game and Carolina game, I'm pretty happy. I mean, privately, I, I'd be ecstatic because you're on a three-game road trip, and the, and that trip came on the heels of the Rams game. And if you can go 2-1 and one on the three-game trip, which in this league is a rare trip, it's a long one, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pleased about that. Um, but, I mean, I can't, think of any, I can't think of anything else I need to see that would be new. Now, I need maintenance. I need Keenum to maintain his play and not throw stupid passes, which I don't think is going to uh, happen. I need the defense to continue to play very well. But if you're saying to me now, what's the next game, what's the next team on the schedule that I'm going to say, uh-huh, I think, I think that team might have this, have this uh, Vikings club? Color, I can't think of one. I mean, you go to Carolina, you should beat them, but if you lose that game, I'm not going to be uh, super upset about it, and I, I certainly wouldn't be if I'm the Vikings internally. Then you go Cincinnati, Green Bay, Chicago. Now, what I've been told is that Rodgers is dead set on coming back if the Packers remain in it. My response is, why, given the fact that your defense is still going to be very poor, and I don't don't see a compelling case to bring a star quarterback with a broken collarbone in his throwing shoulder back. Um, But all that being said, 
I need to see the pieces of this this Vikings team maintain their play. But there's not one gotcha game left to me until you get to uh, the playoffs. There's not one game where I, where now I'm saying I think that team might be a big big test. So so the most important thing is stay healthy, uh, get your get your playoff positioning clinched, rest some guys potentially. But beyond that, I think the gotcha games are done. I think today was the last gotcha game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think maybe if there's one that you could look at that you might be a little concerned, it's Cincinnati because the game is just so uninteresting. The Bengals are going to be out of it. Yeah, sure, you'll get some Zimmer plays his old team sort of stories. Oh, those are great stories. Yeah, yeah. And maybe Zimmer feels a little bit pumped up for that you know, because it's just Marvin Lewis and he might want to beat him. But other than sure. that... Cincinnati also can be sneaky scary, not because of their offense, clearly, but they do have a lot of talent on defense that might test the Vikings a little bit. So you almost feel like there's another loss or two losses coming, but even if you do lose against Chicago in Week 17 in a game that might matter or might not matter for your playoff position, or you lose if Aaron Rodgers comes back or something like that, I think that i know exactly where i stand with this team and that it it's not going to change if they lose next week in carolina um judd i really don't have a lot of agree or disagree because i think we're on the same page with how everything went even the kicker made his extra point uh both yes of them. so yes. <laughs> we, he, he uh touched the goalpost do- a little bit there. The, yep. he doinked one again right when when they took the penalty on the first after the first touchdown and Kai Moore made the extra point. I think he doinked it off that left post, but it went in, so what the hell. He doinked that one, and then on the second one, he started early and then had to stop himself, but he made it just fine. So we don't even I've have a, the kicker to question. So I've got a question for you then. Let, okay. let's, let's wrap up this show uh, um, with you explaining to me what can be done. I thought today's game, in my opinion, and I rip this league all the time, was really enjoyable. I thought the second half was fantastic. And I realize that it probably doesn't get a lot of style points because you didn't have a lot of big pass plays and things like that. But I thought, t- but today was the type of game that I sat down and I found to be a compelling game. So here's the one thing that I would like for you to help me out with. How can we clean up some of the penalties? Because we ended up with a combined 13 in, in this game, six on the Vikings, seven on the Falcons. And let's see if I can find real quick. In the first half, we had... Six on the Falcons, two on the Vikings. But what can be done? Because that's the one thing that week after week I think brings this league to a halt unnecessarily at times. Oh, you Help mean me you mean for the whole league? Well, I'm just saying. But I mean, t- today was today was, in my opinion, a really enjoyable game. Aside from the fact in the first half, you get all these plays and they would come back. And I understand that some of the calls were were, were good. I'm not saying that they weren't. But I'm saying, what can be done to clean this thing up? Because I think if we're talking about ratings going down, and I think if we're talking about people becoming frustrated with the product, the amount of stoppages because of penalties is actually a much bigger problem for football fans than, than if uh, than if Joe Smith on the sideline stands up for the national anthem or he doesn't stand up. Well, well I think uh, maybe you could adopt the NBA's way of looking at it, uh, like with the moving screens. You could look at the same way with holding, potentially. Mm. Holding is kind of the biggest one that gets called the most, but that really wouldn't benefit the Vikings a whole lot if their defensive line was getting held all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. But with the, with the moving screen stuff, I mean, like 
the, the, you know, the Golden State Warriors are committing a foul on almost every single offensive possession because you're not supposed to move, and they're taking shuffle steps and sliding the leg and whatever and sticking out the hip, doing anything you can to set a pick on the guy. And I think that a lot of the holding calls, maybe there's some ticky-tack in there. There was one against Anthony Barr that was holding, but you could say, well, I don't know, I see that from time to time. That's probably most of them. I didn't have, I mean, in this game in particular, yes, the penalties got on my nerves, but, I mean, I didn't have a, a, a huge complaint about many of the actual calls. It only drives me crazy when it seems like they're flagging things all the time. So I haven't seen it as being a, a gigantic issue. Yeah, it's just, I, I've, I t- talked about this, uh, it might have been after the Rams game. I just... To me, it's the one thing that can slow the game down, and that it's too consistent. And and I, I've said this: I don't necessarily even fault the refs because they're paralyzed by a rule book now that's become so big that they're looking for so many things that I, I think they they think to themselves, well, there's probably got to be something to throw a flag for on a play on a play by play basis. But I mean, besides that, I thought today's game was fun. I thought it was a really fun game. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there were poor people who were who were watching the Bears and Niners play today. <laughs> yeah. And Falcons, Falcons, Vikings, I expected to be a good game, and I thought it was. I thought it, it, for the most part, I thought this game lived up to exactly what you would have expected going in, and I think if, if you're a Vikings fan, you should be ecstatic by what you saw. And I agree with what you said early on. This one had a playoff feel to it with the Falcons trying to stay in the race. I mean, they were... Give it 110. It wasn't a team that's been knocked out or anything like that. They were right in the race. And uh, to do that in their house, on the road, um, yeah, it, it had a great feel to it and, and did turn out to be an overall uh, really fun game. So the Vikings, 14-9, going on to the final stretch here, Judd. Uh, I think when Sam Bradford went down, we would not have expected to have been talking no. about this team winning all of these games in a row. Is that eight? Eight in a row now. Eight, eight in a row to improve to what uh, ten and two now on the season. All right. Well, we will have uh, lots of further sports coverage, Judd, on here on the Purple Podcast. So we will. I'm going to have to dig <laughs> will, up some more you guests. Will have more here. sports coverage. We're going to have, we're gonna have to have more guests. We're going to have to have more topics if we can't just talk about Teddy versus Case all the time. Oh, I, I mean, you've still got plenty of things to talk. Talk about. <laughs> you could talk more about Shermer's brilliance and where he he might end up with a head coaching job because he's going to get one. I can't. Or the job. Or the job Zim has done. I can't wait to watch the tape on this. I really can't. I cannot wait to watch the tape on how they adjusted in the second half to find so many guys open on short passes and to um, further investigate the brilliance of Pat Shermer. So, all right. Yes, both sides of the ball uh, today were very, very well coached. I would would say that that's not going on too far of limb to give credit to – Zimmer and Schirmer for the job they did. Uh, most certainly not. Okay, so we'll talk again this week, Judd, and uh, we'll talk with Courtney Cronin as well, and whoever else I can get to come talk about potentially, <laughs> you can dig up. potentially the NFL's best team. All right. Thanks, Judd. All right. Bye, Matthew. Thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast.